This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Roshan Kanderson and welcome to Open for Business. Pilgrim is an all-natural vegan direct-to-consumer skin care startup brand headquartered in Mumbai, India and houses over 50 products across four ranges of collections, each of which inspired from what they call their beauty secrets around the world. And this has caught the attention of some prominent investors. Just two months ago, Vertex Ventures and Fireside Ventures, among others, were part of Pilgrim's 20 million US dollar Series B funding round, which will help them accelerate the company's growth in India. Today on Open for Business, we explore Pilgrim's origins and growth story, as well as insights into how to build a consumer beauty brand from scratch as well as a sneak peek at their future plans. Helping us with this is Anurag Kedia. He's the co-founder of Pilgrim. Anurag, can you hear me loud and clear? Yes, Russian. Good morning and very happy to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time. I've uh, uh, this, was a, this particularly caught my attention given the amount raised, but also the work you're trying to do. Uh, building a beauty D2C brand is no easy feat. And we're going to dive into all uh, of it in just a little bit. Now, Anurag, correct me if I'm wrong here, but from my understanding, you've got 15 years of experience in the beauty and wellness industry, including time with the founding team of uh, the Four Fountains De-Stress Spa Group, as well as the Ayurvedic treatment chain Neuroayurveda Clinics. Talk to us about how this experience, that 15 years plus these two groups, led you to this point of starting your own D2C beauty and personal care startup. So that's a great question, Roshan. You know, like, you mentioned I used to run a chain of spas and Ayurveda clinics. For the listeners who are not familiar with Ayurveda, it's the Indian medical science, which is based on natural treatments and herbs and oils. And uh, while it's a holistic treatment, there is a lot of beauty therapies also available. Spas, like all of us understand, offer massages and beauty treatments. So having spent more than you know 15 years in that industry, I realized that while we were doing a lot of services at the centers, the reach of these centers were limited by the physical presence which we had. So if we had 30 spas or 40 spas, that's the number of people we could cater to. Our aspiration was higher where I thought, you know, there was an opportunity to serve, uh, you know, a lot of people across the country in India. So why not get into physical product retailing, which will offer me the opportunity to reach out to every part of the country. And that's how... Uh, I kind of uh, migrated from a journey at spas and Ayurveda clinics to launching a D2C brand, which is called Pilgrim. Uh, the website is www.discoverpilgrim.com for people who may want to check us out. So that's the initial thought. And we started looking at the market. What we realized was a lot of Indian consumers were hoarding on beauty products when they were traveling internationally. Huh. And they were bringing back these products during their international visits. So we said, you know, why is this phenomenon there when there's so many beauty brands, both of international origin and of Indian origin in India itself? So we found out that the products which were available internationally, often either they were not available in India or the price points were not very India-friendly. Right. So what would happen is, that a $10 product abroad, by the time it came to India, there's something called custom duties, which are the duties the government levies on any imports. 
$10 products will become $15 or $20 because of the custom duties. And the $10 in terms of purchasing power in India is anyway expensive. Yeah. So by the time it became $15, $20, it, what was mass premium internationally became luxury in India. So we said, is there an opportunity to bring out some of these international ingredients, international formulations and offer it at Indian prices? And to give you a sense, the Indian price band in the mass premium segment is typically below $10. So six to $8 US dollars is where the sweet spot is. So we're talking about the equivalent of maybe about 30 ringgit essentially. Um, and, you know, a, a big part of this and it's something I guess we all of us take for granted and uh, something that I was going to ask you whether it's, it, it, is it a big enough market, I guess, to be catering to people who are going overseas and bringing back these cosmetic products because of those duties. Um, wh what do you guys expect to be the size of this, of this market? You're right, Roshan, that may not be a very large market and the opportunity if you had to target only that audience mm. will be limited. However, the interesting thing which was happening was the number of people who were able to travel internationally and buy was limited. But the number of people who were exposed to these trends and aspiration was very high, was far higher. So, you know, if one person was traveling abroad and buying internationally, there were probably 20 people in India for that one person who knew about the brands, who knew about the formulations, but they couldn't travel abroad and hence they were not able to buy. And with the spread of social media, with Instagram, whatever is happening internationally comes to India very, very quickly. And I'm sure that's the case in Malaysia. The trends, you know, are available the same day, uh, whatever is happening internationally. So the aspiration towards some of these international products, ingredients was very high. And I'll give you an example, which might, I'm sure is a phenomenon in Malaysia also. So Korean beauty, yeah, or what is called as K-beauty, has really taken off in a very big way globally. Do you see that in Malaysia also? Yeah, I think uh, the K-culture uh, has definitely uh, taken its uh, flight. Um, so I think that's uh, one of the things that you're tapping into, right? Your, your beauty secrets, about including, uh, I think, Spain, France, and one other geography that escapes me right now, Australia. Um, and there is Korea and Amazon rainforest. Ah, interesting. Is the, is the Amazon Rainforest a newer range of yours? It's it's a couple of months old for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but our entry point or what, you know, the startup ecosystem is called as go-to-market was Korean beauty. Uh, one of the reasons was Korean beauty was a lot more recognized, a lot more popular. And the same problem which we spoke about, 15, 20 US dollar for a single unit versus what the Indian audience wanted was a similar quality at a 5, 6 dollar, 7 dollar kind of a price point. Uh, so so that was an entry point and uh, we, we saw very, very good early traction when we launched the first set of 8-9 products inspired by Korean beauty. And uh, since then, you know, God has been kind and we have grown from strength to strength, adding new products, new ranges from different parts of the world, which you mentioned. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about the product evolution since you, you started with K-Beauty. What does the product evolution look like since 2019? So when we launched, we launched with some nine SKUs across face and hair. So a couple of face serums, face creams, face wash, toner, moisturizer, a shampoo, hair mask, that kind of a range. And today we have close to 140 SKUs, which covers face, hair, body. And very recently we have launched a range of perfumes and color cosmetics. So in within color cosmetics, we have foundation serums, uh, BD creams, lipsticks, primer, 
so uh, our assortment is much much wider now how we look at our product assortment is for every you speak to any woman in india and i'm sure that might be the case in malaysia the woman is the lady is going to tell you my skin is unique nothing suits me mm. so i need something which is designed for me so we said you know if there are whatever a few billion people in the country or in the continent are there that many number of skin types obviously no mm-hmm. but what consumers were looking for is something which was solving their problem in a manner which was efficacious and safe so while consumers want high efficacy which means the products have to deliver the results they want they also are very concerned that it should not hurt me if it doesn't do me any good the products need to be safe in terms of formulation so in all your formulations are down in are done in house correct yeah large majority of our formulations are done in house a few of them are done by our partner r&d labs mm. so we partner with a few r&d labs globally who also help us in uh, some formulation development but a large majority is done in house um anurag we have to go into a few messages but when we come back we we'll talk a little bit about the early days of you know starting this and some of the key challenges as well as the marketing strategy which is uh, oftentimes key to a d2c brand's uh, success folks i've been speaking with anurag kedia he's the co-founder of pilgrim an indian based direct to consumer skincare startup brand anurag kanisan you're listening to open for business keep it here to bfm 89.9 the business station Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBolly.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Banish feudal mentality. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolly.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Rishan Kanisan and this morning I'm speaking with Anurag Kedia. He's the co-founder of Pilgrim, an Indian-based direct-to-consumer skincare startup brand. Anurag, you gave us a little bit of a taste in terms of where this came from, right? And you had prior experience in this business, 15 years in the business before you said, "Okay, having these centers, whether it was the spa or the Ayurvedic centers, you could only cater to so many people so let's build a product that we can uh sell to many more people to get these kind of benefits as well i will talk about marketing strategy uh, in a little bit because that's vital for a dtc brand but in the early days when you first started talk to us about how this all started right what what was the i guess the mvp of uh, of pilgrim how did this all begin so like we were discussing russian you know the fundamental insight of what we wanted to build came from consumers when we saw it consumers traveling internationally then when it came to you know the actual product offering what should be the price uh, what should you know the images look like all of that we did a lot of research on the marketplaces and the one marketplace we really like in terms of the data it offers is amazon mm. and there are a lot of tools which have been built on top of amazon so there is a tool called jungle scout there is a tool called helium 10 and it gives you a lot of data in terms of what are the different products which are selling what price points are they selling what is the pack size which brand is selling how many sku's what keyword searches are happening so it's almost you know like doing a very large scale market research on your laptop so earlier what would take you know a few million dollars to uh, you know get get the data now it's available for like uh, $10 $20 a month that's the kind of subscription fee you pay or $50 a month 
So there's so much data available from Amazon in terms of what the consumers are looking for. And we've used Amazon data extensively to identify uh, what is the pricing, what is the pack size, what is the collection of products, uh, what kind of promotions to run, because you could run a promotion for a day and see what is the response, mm. uh, a discount, whether you should offer a percentage discount or a price off. Right? So everything was possible to test out on Amazon. And our early journey, we really are uh, very happy that you managed to work so closely with the Amazon team and identify what what will work in the market. And once we had that, you know, those learnings, then there are other channel partners in India. So, uh, which are either, you know, some of them are vertical players in the beauty space alone, or there are horizontal marketplaces like Amazon, and of course, our own website. So the second phase of growth came from, you know, partnering with other channels and on our website, when we started using what we used to call as Facebook and Instagram, now it's become meta. <laughs> so we started running ads there and reaching out to more and more consumers, trying to educate them about our offering. And that has driven a lot of growth in the second phase. So you started primarily on Amazon, is that right? And then grew to other channels? That's right. We started with Amazon and then slowly we started, kept partnering with other channels. And right now, so far, it sounds like this has mostly been done through digital distribution channels or through e-commerce. Um, have you explored physical uh, distribution or physical outlets as well? Yeah, so, you know, till I would say eight, nine months back, we were only an online-only brand. But in the last eight, nine months, we have set up a fairly large, uh, what we call as offline team, you know, so mm -hmm. for the physical distribution. So in India, uh, there is a very large Sephora equivalent general trade. So it's okay. not one brand which has a few hundred outlets, but it has, these are single brand outlets, so the brand might have two or three outlets. So there's more mom and pop, but can be fairly large format. And all of them, you know, you can support with a sales girl who's called the beauty advisor in India. Uh, so currently we have close to, we have presence in close to 400 such stores across the country, uh, where there is a, one of our representative, a sales girl who's standing there to talk to the consumers and explain the offering. And um, if I understand this correctly, about 60% of the sales come from now the partner channels, whereas 40% are from your own channels. Are you comfortable with this uh, this ratio at this point or are you looking to uh, leverage your own channels more uh, going forward? So within the online space, Russian, you're right, the split is 40-60. But the offline sales, you know, or the physical distribution has also now started making a, uh, you know, contributing significantly to the brand. So the offline sales today are close to 15 odd percent mm. and 85 percent is online. And within that, that ratio of 40, 60 is there and we're fairly comfortable with that 40, 60 ratio there. So in a lot of ways, you could look at, at Amazon as uh, the first iteration on, your, on Amazon as that MVP of yours. That's how you tested the market. Uh, you had a data-driven environment that you could utilize. Um, you're designing this and formulating on your end and you have a manufacturer to help you put it together. All this is done within India, of course, which helps you get through the duties and help you bring your price point down. But if your only USP is the fact that, you know, you're doing it in India, um, other people can come and crowd that market as well. So ultimately, what do you think uh, or what do you hope sets Pilgrim uh, aside from the other brands or potential brand, uh, competitors in the market? So not just in beauty, Roshan, our belief is that across categories for a new age brand or a digital native brand, uh, the fundamental differentiation is going to be the brand. Mm. So what is, and what does the brand really stand for? 
So the brand has multiple layers to my mind. The first layer is what is the basics or the ethos of the brand. So as a new age brand, as a digital native brand, there are are certain norms which have now got established. For example, uh, we are an environmentally friendly brand. We are a cruelty-free brand. All our products are FDA approved. We are dermatologically tested. So this is where the parity with the rest of the market is. Or with any new age brand, some of the old incumbents, legacy brands continue to be not environment friendly, not be cruelty free, but that's a different ballgame altogether. Mm-hmm. These are table stakes now to be a cruelty free brand or to be a sustainable brand. Where we differentiate is our sourcing of international ingredients and formulations where, you know, we source volcanic lava ash from Korea, we source red wine from France. Uh, or we source the kakadu plum, which is the richest source of vitamin C from Australia. We source patwa oil from Amazon rainforest. And we come up with formulations which are highly efficacious. Uh, can another brand come and copy this? Yes, everything can be reverse engineered. Even, uh, you know, Apple iPhones have been reverse engineered. <laughs> and that's the highest level of engineering which is really possible. But they have been reverse engineered. That technologies have been copied. But it's not just the product formulation alone which will make a business successful. It's the entire consumer experience, right from the point of discovery. When they discover you, what is the kind of imagery they are seeing on the website or on social media? What is the kind of communication which is there? What is the kind of order experience when they're trying to order on the website? Is it seamless? How much time did it take to deliver the product to the house? How was the unboxing experience? So that brown box which reaches your home just recall the time every time we have ordered online, we look forward to receiving that brown box and that bundle of joy, irrespective of what we have ordered. It could be something very mundane. But we really look forward to opening that box and it gives us a temporary joy of you know holding that product in hand. Once you have the product in hand, what is the packaging? The How does the packaging look like? What is the kind of uh, communication which has been done on packaging? Then comes the final moment of truth, which is, how does the product perform on your skin? This entire consumer journey has to be mapped and each touch point has to be taken care of. And that's where I think brands will be built. People who are able to do a consistently good job across every touch point. Even if you miss out on one or two touch points, chances are consumers may not come back. Mm. And let's look at our own behavior. You know, everything else was great, but the delivery just took way too long. And we become so upset with the brand that we don't go end up going back to the brand. Mm. Um, Anura, clearly brand building is a key part of this and I'll touch on that a little further uh, after we come back from the 10.30am news bulletin which is coming up after this but we'll also get into that $20 million you've raised and how you're going to be utilising those funds uh, but a, a lot more including uh, your growth ahead after clocking in about $10 million, uh, USD as at March 31st earlier this year so a lot more to get into folks I've been speaking with Anurag Kedia he's the co-founder of Pilgrim an Indian-based direct-to-consumer skincare startup brand I'm Rishan Gunnison we're going into the news bulletin Open for Business we'll be back in a bit so keep you here to BFM 89.9 The Business Station Open for Business will reopen in a few moments powered by Bosbole.com Malaysia's first online company secretary Best for money. BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary.
BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kunison, and this morning I've been speaking with Anurag Kadia. He's the co-founder of Pilgrim, an Indian-based direct-to-consumer skincare startup brand. Um, Anurag, before the news bulletin, we spent a few minutes really, uh, or you spent a few minutes really emphasizing the importance of the brand building part of this business, that the Pilgrim brand is going to be the key differentiator because ultimately everything can be reverse engineered. So what's going into your brand building? You talked a little bit about the customer experience, but aside that, on top of that, um, the marketing side of things, what are you doing to get your name out there and essentially not just get eyeballs, but get eyeballs and conversions? So there is a very scientific process we follow, Roshan, and what is called as, uh, you know, managing the entire funnel, top funnel, middle funnel, bottom funnel, and then post-purchase, what is the kind of, you know, experience that consumers have. So top funnel is, you know, essentially consumers who have not heard about the brand. And the job there is to spread brand awareness. So we reach out to a large number of consumers through what are called as reach frequency campaigns. Uh, and also through a lot of influencers. We work with close to 500 or more influencers every month. And in combination, we try and spread awareness for the brand. At this stage, we don't expect consumers to buy from us, but just become aware that there is a brand called Pilgrim and this is the kind of products which the brand offers. Then the next step of middle funnel where we are trying to, the consumers were already aware about the brand. We're trying to convince them to consider the brand. Still not make a purchase, but make a favorable impression about the brand. Where they start, we are in the consideration set of the two, three brands which they're considering to buy. Here is where testimonials play a role, Reviews and ratings on marketplaces play a role in terms of what are the consumers saying? Have they heard about, uh, you know, us to a friend or a family? Is there some recommendation? Is there some social proof going? Is there some PR buzz about the brand? This is the second step. And the third step is when the consumer is actually looking to make a purchase. And like all consumers, you know, all of us like have a little sweet deal, you know, some discount, some freebie, some offer going on. So that's where, uh, you know, the final conversion happens. But if the brand is not, the awareness for the brand is not there and if you're not in the consideration set, whatever discount you may decide to offer, the consumer is not going to buy you. So you can't skip, you know, the top funnel and the middle funnel to move on to the bottom funnel just by giving discounts. The entire funnel needs to be captured. And once the consumer has made a purchase, what is the kind of a communication you're having with the consumer? You can send out, you know, communication about how to use the product, what to do, what not to do. Once, you know, if the bottle is going to last 30 days, you can send out a communication post 30 days saying, you know, your bottle must be nearly empty. Can you come back and buy from us? So there's a complete consumer journey which is mapped. And that's how, e and each element is tested. What offers are working, what awareness tools are working, which influencers are working, what messaging is working. Each tool can be tested because it's all digitally driven. And that's how, you know, we try and drive uh, growth for the brand. Anurag, that sounds very deliberate and very well planned out, but it also sounds very expensive. And which is to be expected, I guess, when you are building a new brand and you have to go and compete against other people who are also spending a lot of money in the market. Given the, you know, the switch in terms of uh, growth at all costs is no longer as tolerable or is no longer tolerable, you need to have some semblance of, uh, margins and a path to profitability. Um, how are you balancing that with the need to continue to spend on customer acquisition? So, Rishil, I think we have been very, very frugally managed. Uh, I come from a business community in India, which is called Marwadi's. 
and we are known for our frugality. <laughs> so uh, we have always looked at you know what's the cash balance, and we don't never want to run out of money. While there is a little bit of burn which has been there, but that's always been much much below than what the brand could have afforded. So our corporate team has been very very lean. When we started off, we were a team of five or six people for almost twelve months. Then we grew to a team of 20, 25 people, and only off late you know, have we crossed a certain number of team members. Uh, th- that's really the fixed cost of the business, and that can really kill you. On the marketing side, uh, we have been very clear from day one. We don't believe in you know growth at any cost. Unit economics have to make sense at every point of time, and we only spend when we know we can acquire a, a customer profitably. Uh, and you know, sometimes the first transaction is not profitable, but definitely by the second transaction, we want the consumer to have start generating some profits. Otherwise, we are happy not to acquire customers. Uh, thankfully, because of our differentiated positioning, we have not seen a growth pressure so far, and we have been growing, you know, three to four times year on year. For other founders and business owners who are in a similar space who are listening to this now, um, do you have any, I guess, uh, thoughts on how to effectively use the marketing budget, right? Because this is always a key consideration. We all have finite amounts of marketing budgets. Um, uh, where would you suggest money be focused on? Yeah. So the one key thing, Roshan, to understand is there are two kinds of marketing monies which are typically there. One is what is called as performance marketing. Mm-hmm. This is what goes and gets customers who are ready to buy today. And the second is brand marketing where you are talking to consumers who may not even be looking to buy a product today, but probably will be in the market three months or six months later. So, allocate, and often, you know, digital brands are tempted to spend only on performance marketing and not spend any money on brand marketing. Uh, the one conscious call we have taken right from the beginning is that there's some portion of our budgets always allocated to brand marketing, and that portion is actually increasing with time. Really? Yes. So, if... You want to ensure that the cost of acquisition doesn't go up. Your spends on brand marketing has to keep going up. And eventually, brand marketing spends will be much, much higher than performance marketing. That's the eventual goal. I guess it's I guess when you are a new brand, you need to spend money on the branding part of the equation for the performance marketing to make sense or be uh, efficient later on. But if you're already a big brand, then you can focus on the performance marketing. I think that explains a lot of the dichotomy we see in terms of like, oh, you know, branding is the way to go versus, oh no, performance marketing is only the the way to go. So it really depends on where you are and what you're currently focused on. So thank you for sharing that with with us. Um, Pilgrim raised 20 million US dollars and earlier this year, as at March 31st, reported annual revenue at 9.6 million US dollars. Um, tell us a little bit about the plans for the $20 million in funding. Yeah, so the plan is not to spend it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not a lighter wound. We will, uh, lighter vein, we will end up spending some of it. Mm. So like we were dis- discussing about our offline channel, our physical distribution, that channel typically takes up some investments before it starts breaking even and churning back uh, profitably. Uh, we are also setting up, you know, outlets for the brand in malls, at airports, or high streets. Uh, and each outlet takes some investment uh, for the physical structure to be made, the kiosk to be made, or the store to be made. So th- that will take up some investments. And on the brand side, we are making some investments. And the third piece is on uh, the team expansion. So we have, over the last six to eight months, 
have had a very a lot of senior people join the team, mm. and that comes at a certain cost. So I think these are the three large buckets where we will end up spending the money for offline distribution, uh, for uh, brand investments, and for uh, team expansion, especially at the senior level. I'm sure with that money being invested, you're also expecting growth uh, to grow going forward as well. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, $9.6 million in annual revenue as at March 31st, or reported as at March 31st. Tell us a little bit about what revenue growth has been leading up to that point and what you expect revenue growth to look like going forward. Uh, so last financial, we work in India April to March. So that's why the revenues are reported on 31st March. So you're right, we closed at around $10 million US million last year. And the current financial year looks like we will do $30 million. Uh, and on a run rate basis, if you look at the annual year, you started at a certain revenue run rate. But by the time you end the year, it will be much, much more. Mm. So the year after this, it should be at least a double of what we are projecting this year. So we should be at least at a 60 to 70 million US dollars in the subsequent year. We have been growing three to four times year on year in the past. And with scale, we still expect to kind of maintain at least 100% growth rate in the future. So next year, 3x growth. After that, about 2x growth, I think, more or less, if I've done my math yes. correctly, based yes, on the yes. fly here, you'll hit, I mean, expecting to hit 70 million USD in revenue in two years' time. That's an impressive number. And I'm sure there's more to go given how big the Indian market is. Uh, do you expect to go beyond India anytime soon? We've already started, you know, partnering with uh, some channel partners globally. So we already present in the Middle East in a very small way. We have had some uh, conversations with Russia and some conversations have just started happening in the Southeast Asian markets. Uh, so Middle East is already live in a small manner and the other, a few other parts of the world, I think another three to six months, we will have presence. Any talks with uh, bringing into Malaysia? Uh, so there are one or two inbound conversations which are happening, mm. but uh, very happy to engage with uh, more part potential partners and I'm sure your show will help us get there. Sure, anyone can drop us a line at uh, inquiry at bfm.my if, uh, if they want to get connected with Pilgrim. Um, Anurag, as, as much as growth, uh, that growth number sounds and the, the revenue number is great, or at least expected to be great, the big question now is about profitability as well. And that's a question we're going to dive into uh, after this uh, last and final break. Folks, I've been speaking with Anurag Kadia. He's the co-founder of Pilgrim, an Indian-based direct-to-consumer skincare startup brand. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Building Fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with Anurag Kadia. He's the co-founder of Pilgrim, an Indian-based direct-to-consumer skincare startup brand. Earlier we talked about, uh, among other things, uh, what the $20 million in Series B funding will be utilised, uh, as well as some of the growth trajectory ahead. Anurag is expecting 3x growth next year to uh, for the full year to be $30 million. Dollars come March 31st, 2020, 
four, do I have my years correct? I think that's about right. And then the year after about 60, 70 million dollars in revenue. Um, Anurag, I think I've more or less got those numbers correct. Uh, but the key question today is not just about growth, but about profitability. So give us a sense for, I guess, the margins in this business and um, what's your timeline or pathway to profitability? So uh, the gross margins are fairly healthy in the beauty category. Uh, typically, brands will make upwards of 65% of gross margin. In our case, we are upwards of 70% in terms of gross margin. Uh, but yes, uh, there are also brands and companies which have burnt a fair bit of money. In our case, we've been very, very frugal like we were discussing. So our burn rate is, you know, on a yearly basis, we, uh, you know, the losses are less than $2 million. Uh, and that's the kind of, you know, burn rate which we have. So fairly comfortable from a runway perspective. Your $20 million raised is enough for 10 years of, uh, of keeping the company afloat at this rate. Yes, at the current burn rate, <laughs> yes, we have a runway of 10 years. But hopefully by the end of uh, next 9 to 12 months, we'll be profitable. Uh, and uh, hence, you know, runway as a uh, will stop being of concern at all. Uh, so, and uh, we can just focus on uh, so we're very focused on driving the business in a profitable manner, and that's uh, and I think our investors and our board also fairly aligned that even if you have to let go of some part of the growth at some point of time, it's okay. But building the pro- uh, building the partnerships in a very profitable manner is key to us. Um, partnerships have been mentioned a few times as a key way for you to grow going forward. And I guess a key part of you hitting your 30 million next year and your 70, 60, 70 million the year after. Um, expand a little bit further on what you mean by partnerships. So partnerships are of all kinds, Russian, right? From, you know, R&D partnerships to manufacturing partnerships, mm. to warehousing, to logistics, to channel partners who sell our products online, Amazon, Flipkart, Nika, Mintra, Purple. And now there is this new beast called Quick Commerce in India. I don't know if you're seeing that in Malaysia also. Not Quick sure. Commerce, where you get products delivered in 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. You order a product on the app and within 10 minutes, the product will reach you anywhere in the city. And that is quite a, quite a guarantee. It also sounds a bit expensive, but I'm sure <laughs> we'll touch on that another time. Um, but yeah, so those are the kind of partnerships you're 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 looking at overall. Um, so really, anything that can bring value uh, to you at at Pilgrim. Um, another thing that's really brought value to you, and you mentioned this earlier, your board, your investors. Um, you you count Vertex Ventures, Fireside Ventures, and the Narutham Shikshariya family office as your long-standing partners. So aside from funding, uh, which uh, is, is I guess table stakes at this point, um, what else do you? The, do these investors in your cap table bring to, I guess, well, the table? Yeah, so the couple of things I think we've been very fortunate to get support from our investors. One is, you know, when companies scale, what are the challenges companies will face? Can we preempt some of those? What are the pitfalls which we will discover two years from now, one year from now? Can we preempt some of those and build uh, mechanisms to counter those challenges, the risks that the business will face today. That is one key role which the investors have played. Second, because many of them have done a lot of consumer investing, thinking through the brand, thinking through marketing initiatives, how to kind of scale the brand in a very frugal manner. That's the second part where we get support. Third is uh, ecosystem connect. So when we have to reach out to other partners, potential partnerships, uh, by we have some network of our own, our investors typically have much, much larger networks than they're able to open doors for us 
to get connected to the right people in the ecosystem and uh, get going from there. So these are the three kinds of primary supports. And yes, corporate governance is a given where they also help us put in the right control measures to have uh, corporate governance. Um, as we come to the close of this conversation, Arag, maybe you can give us a sense of, you know, looking ahead, um, what do you see as the most likely kind of exit for this company? Is, you know, is an IPO the main uh, goal here? But, you know, m and also could be uh, quite, uh, could be an, uh, a very real option here as well. Talk to us about how you and the board are seeing this. So for Pilgrim Russian, I think m and is uh, uh, not something we're very keen on. Mm. It's an option, but not something we're looking at right now. Uh, exit is at least five, seven years away from us for an investor perspective. Uh, me and my co-founder Gagan, we are quite happy running the business in the long term. So chances are it will be an IPO story uh, at some point of time, but we are not in RE even to do IPO because our investors have fairly long horizons. For the category, yes, we have seen a lot of m activity. So brands who want to see an early exit, m is a definite option because IPO will require a certain size and scale mm. of the company to get listed. To wrap up, last question here, Anurag. Um, what are the key goals uh, for you and Pilgrim over the next five years? So a key goal is to reach out to more and more consumers and become the most loved beauty brand in the country. That's our fundamental belief. That's what we are working for. We get paid when the consumers are happy. So that's our fundamental goal. Then at the next level, there are other stakeholders at Pilgrim. Uh, the second most important stakeholders are our employees team members who have joined us in, uh, you know, when they had the option of joining a larger company. Mm -hmm. So we want to create a lot of wealth for our team members uh, across the organization. Uh, the third stakeholder is our investors. Uh, we have, we want to generate a lot of returns for our investors. And the fourth stakeholder is the society at large. So what can we give back to the society apart from being environmentally sustainable? Uh, what more? And there are a couple of initiatives in the pipeline. So we typically look at it in this order that consumer first and then everything else follows. Wonderful. Um, Anurag, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Roshan, for having me. Uh, you know, very good conversation. Folks, I've been speaking with Anurag Kadia. He's the co-founder of Pilgrim, an Indian-based direct-to-consumer skincare startup brand. I'm Roshan Kennison. You're listening to Open for Business. Up ahead, we have her vantage. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.